What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle Cough! Haberman! <laughs> All right, midweek pod. That is just... I mean, we got a lot of stuff to get to, man. This is choo 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 choo. Are you on the is that trains the, coming is down that the track, track, baby? Defensive train, the D train. The, no, the D was a uh, wasn't D Willis called the D train? Who? Oh, Dontrell. Dontrell. Yeah. Dontrell. Yeah. Is he a Vacaville guy? Uh, no, he's uh, he's Fairfield? East Bay. Oh, is he, he is? or is he Sacramento? Hayward. Yeah, he's from one of those places. I see him sometimes on like Fox Sports One. He's kind of in that crew. Yeah, he does. He. He, they just kind of he's not on the desk, but they'll just right. go to him and he'll just be standing there with like a sweet take. Yeah, Oakland. Where do you go to high school? He's from Oakland. Probably Oakland Tech, I bet. Uh, his, his his dad was his mom, excuse me, was a welder in Alameda and an elite level softball player. How about that? Love a good uh, blue collar East Bay family. It's what the middle cops will hang our hat on. What uh, what high school did he go to? I'd, I'd be shocked if it's not Oakland Tech. Encinal? Encinal? Well, Encinal? Encinal. Or that one. I think is how you Encinal. say that. Yeah. Where's CeCe from? Vallejo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, he he, uh, he blew out his arm on that last pitch. Subluxation, and it actually was not on the last pitch. He pit, he threw two pitches with the subluxation. He would have been a great left tackle, would he not have? Yeah, I mean, you, see, you notice he wears a knee brace under his baseball pants. Is he the one... Pitcher in NFL history or in Major League history that also could have been a left tackle. <laughs> what could you have been? I don't know, a Hall of Fame pitcher or an offensive tackle. Yeah. I could have done either. 6'6, 330. I'm trying to think of other guys that were that tall and that big. And I mean, I would imagine when he was younger, he was much more fleet of foot. Yeah. Well, I don't think. Good athlete. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's a lock Hall of Famer, right? Uh. I mean, baseball is kind of weird with that, huh? He's a potential. Once you, he's got a shot. Once, yeah, I mean, I don't see how. Once you put in the Biggios of the world, I think he's got to get in. Biggio, to me, is their Tony Dungy. Like, you know, they've watered it down a little. See, I don't know if Biggio's the... Like, Harold Baines, I think, is more so... Uh, 
that one was a bad one. I, my problem is I don't really have much working knowledge, but I just know Dog was fired up on that one. On Bane. Once you start doing, yeah, once you yeah. start doing stuff like that, uh, and I, I feel I felt the same with the NFL. You know, just once you start letting the people that are legitimately on the line. Like, to me, it should just be the elite of the elite. The Ray Lewises, the Randy Mosses, the Randy Johnsons, the Pedros. And obviously, you have discussions about the guys on the line. The other thing that I've not uncomfortable with, but this is another dog rant. Once you start letting, like, owners in, like Jerry Jones. I love, I love Jerry and Eddie. But, like, does should the Hall of Fame, you know, should they just their bus just be sitting next to Bill Parcells, or, or should there be a separate? Don't they have wing? their own? I they, mean, I get they, it. Well, baseball but, has its own wing. Like contributors have their separate. They're not in between, like you know, like Peter Babe Gammons Ruth or and Hank Aaron. Yeah, like it. It doesn't go like Hank Aaron, Peter Gammons, Willie Mays. Right. It's like oh, you're like oh, this Bill Parcells coached a couple Super Bowls. This is LT. That's. Eddie DeBartolo, what was he a little guard? Well, do no, you know, he owned the Niners. Do you notice one thing cracked me up, and it happened early in the Thursday night or the Monday night game. Owner reaction shots during games. You notice how you you rarely get them in baseball. We get like uh, Kate Upton reaction shots in baseball sometimes, but you yeah. don't really get owner reaction shots in baseball. You get them in the NBA, partly because the guy's on the court. He's sitting right there. But you get owner reaction shots like it's nobody's business in the NFL. Like we know well, who's, think, who's listen, making these, who's cutting these checks and making these deals. Like I, the, I think there are cert, certain teams that you get kind of hit over it with the head. And the, to me, there's two leading candidates: New England's one of the front. It's the two guys that run the league: New England and Dallas. I, I think you feel their presence. Like if you watch a Lions game, you may get every other game a shot of the Ford, that 98 year old lady, or. Virginia McCaskey. I don't think you get a lot of them. I feel because we've never seen Jed. Yeah, it's just so it's you mostly get, the Cowboys and Jerry Jones. Is that what you're saying? I, it is. And and it's not it's and the not just Robert. You get a lot it's of the crafts. Jonathan. Yeah, always wearing you know that white collar. Yeah. You, you know, in fairness to him though, they grew up blue collar. You know, he grew up going to Patriot games, sitting at the top of the the stadium. Yeah. Yep. You see Tom and the uh, walk the the Netflix controversy. I did. And it, he got green screened, so he, he he got done dirty. It feels like. Well, what was the dirty? Do you think part? he'd take a shot at Robert? Well, I mean, he. I what, what, so what would he have not? What didn't he know about the scene? I mean, he's in the scene saying. I mean, like, is it the logo? Is that the thing that would a green screen? Like, I don't get what he wouldn't. Well, have I don't known know about if he scene. knew he was coming out of a massage parlor. Well, what did he think he was? Yeah, just coming out of like. Uh, but but that's, know, the th- that's the other thing. That see, like to me, where they did him dirty. It's not the it's not if it was green screened, is that they put it out in a way that it's not clear what the show's about. Like the show is that's what I, that, you go that's in what I'm and you get happiness injections, or they like they actually turns out they duplicate your body and try to bury the old body. Yeah, I don't even that's know what the show is. That's in the trailer. Yeah, um, Paul Rudd. So is that a show? Huh? Is it Paul Rudd's show it's, on Netflix? Yeah, it's, Paul, it's like, it it's whatever it's called, it's called The Happiness something or whatever. But you go to this clinic if you're depressed, and they make you happy. But what they actually do is, I think they duplicate you and then bury the old you. But the show gotcha. is about the old Paul Rudd, that the depressed version that gets buried, actually wakes up underground, he wasn't dead, in a plastic bag and comes out, and now there's the happy Paul Rudd and the depressed original Paul Rudd. 
so he's pissed off and he meets the happy guy. He probably hates yeah, him. Yeah, like in the house almost gets attacked by him, right? So they gotta <laughs> I got you, I like got you. I didn't didn't Michael Keaton make this movie? But so uh multiplicity. So I don't know like that's yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I saw that thing about green screen. I don't you still saying the things you're saying, like but I think the way that it got portrayed, it looked like 100% he's taking a shot at Robert. For sure. I would just say, I, I think Tom, like, that's his guy. I'd be shocked if he was trying to do something to piss him I off. I would be stuck. Yes, I would. But it's like, and that's where you say, like, did they screw him? Because would he even do anything that is close to that line? Yeah, I wonder if he did that line. One, the line could have been a year ago, right? The line could have been before the, the stuff ever came out. Is there a chance that that happened? Yeah, I saw Tom. I didn't care enough to like really read into it, but that's I, I don't, that information I don't exists. Yeah. yeah. Now it does get us to our first conversation about Tom Brady and what Adam Schefter said on Monday night. But first, we tell you this podcast is brought to you by Ease and EaseWellness.com. You don't need to do what Paul Rudd is doing. You don't need to duplicate yourself. Just go to EaseWellness.com or Ease.com, and the promo code is Ham. Happiness is easy to achieve, guys. You just go to ease.com and you pick and choose whatever you want. You got pre-rolls, vapes, they deliver it to your house, edibles. We love a good gummy. Uh, Gummies make you feel good. They have everything you need, sleep aids. And then if you want that thing they call CBD, I call them the Amazon of CBD, easewellness.com. We'll deliver it to your house, easewellness.com, promo code HAM. They got uppers, they got downers, they even got things they call doggy treats, bath bombs, you name it. They got it. EaseWellness.com, promo code HAM. Very easy. E A Z E.com and E A Z E Wellness.com. And we got MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the numeral one. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the numeral one. Uh, when you sign up, if you uh, want that uh, double your first deposit, you can do that with the uh, promo code. Should you choose it, faster payouts, better lines than any other sports book. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Uh, we got a Thursday night football game that already has uh, over a two-touchdown line coming up. I-, I didn't realize. I think you texted me the other day. Like, do you realize the Redskins are playing the Vikings on Thursday night football? They've had a couple clunkers, right? They just had Patriots. Was it Patriots-Giants? Now they got Redskins, Vikings. I guess there's a little intrigue on this one, right? The Vikings took the quarterback away from Minnesota, or I mean Washington. But in fairness to Washington, they, they kind of did the right thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess but, the only intrigue is like his cousin's out for blood. Yeah, but, but Dylan might cousins, not play. You know that this Minnesota Vikings team statistically is on pace to be much better than their quote-unquote historic 98 team? Like they oh. are... They are putting up stupid numbers. Well, what is that relative to the league versus the 98 team relative? Well, see, that's I, was the 98 team just so ahead of their time that, like, throwing for 30 touchdowns in a season was like, oh, my God. But Cousins, I think, is the first quarterback in, like, either NFL history or Minnesota history, like three straight games with 300-plus yards, four touchdowns, like a completion percentage. I've just heard all these cousin stats that just sound pretty amazing. Like, he is on a pretty good run, and he is playing well. And I just think the Minnesota Vikings. I saw a Zimmer quote today where they're like, uh, what do you think of these Thursday night games? He's like, well, I asked my players, how are you feeling? They're like, I'm sore. And then he responds like, but no one gives a shit, so we just move on and we practice. <laughs> you know, Like, no one's going to – and he's right. Like, no one – we're at the point now where we're three years removed from everyone complaining about Thursday night games. Now we just kind of look forward to them because – 
when you flip on the college game and it feels like a high school year game, you're like, thank God for the Thursday night game. So it does. The most underrated thing I say in the NFL is when your Thursday night game comes. Because if you get your Thursday night game coming like in September, that is a huge advantage for good teams. If your game comes farther and farther down the season, it just becomes a little more complicated, right? Just because you guys are tired, you got you got injuries, short turnaround. It's just tough. So I, I'd say every game, every Thursday night game moving forward at this point in time of the season is just can be a challenge, you, right? If you told the Niners, hey, you could have your bye week, week three, and then play the Cardinals week 10, Thursday night, or vice versa, what would you choose? You'd flip that. Right. Right? Yeah. But like Zimmer says, no one gives a shit. It's the biggest line in the in the league this week. Pats is the only other double-digit line. What's that? Uh, 11. I saw that Josh Cleveland. McDaniels. Josh McDaniels told someone he's been in the office. Or they, oh, they asked Josh McDaniels about Muhammad Sanu. And uh, he said that he's been in the office since 4.30 in the morning. He was like, God, it must be fun to work for the Patriots. They don't even get to enjoy victory. You're saying Josh has been in the office since 4.30 in the morning. Tuesday morning, after the Monday night well, game. To me, if Josh has been in the home? office, does that mean that every coach has been in the office? Because if Josh and Bill are there, like the quality control guys ain't at home asleep. right? <laughs> Win week, rolling in late. Well, what I, what I wonder is, like, what is their week. charter flight home to the Jets? Well, he just might I mean, not. Is that an hour home. flight? Yeah, you just go right to the office. God, that sucks. Maybe you go home for, yeah, to get a change. I don't know. Wow. I just think you go to the office, you shower, and just keep on grinding. So, on the uh, Monday Night Football pregame show, Adam Schefter, who you don't I, – I felt like it was kind of out of – I don't feel like we've seen Adam like this a lot, was – You consider him a friend? I mean, you guys have had multiple tele- – Telephone conversations, correct? <laughs> I, I, no, he would. I don't think he would know me if I walked up to him and hit him in the face, like I was a fan of Miles Garrett. He is a nice guy, though. Yeah, like you meet him, he's very easy to talk. Yes, to. very, very accommodating. I remember I needed some recommendations, somewhere to eat in uh, Ann Arbor. He's a Michigan guy, so he hit me up with Zingerman's, which was great. But um, so he went kind of. I, I, you tell me do, if you agree with me or not in terms of just seeing him this way. But going on about Brady's house and Alex Guerrero's house, both being up for sale and the possibility that Tom Brady will play somewhere else next year, he is not a throw things against the wall, see if they stick guy, Schefter. It, watching it, I'll tell you what my thought was just watching it. And maybe by the time this podcast is out, there's been something else reported. But my thought watching it was he must know something that he can't share and just has to use the houses being up for sale as the cover for what he actually knows. Because putting a house up for sale is not in and of itself enough to go there. Let's boil this down to the basic facts once again. When we talk about Tom and his future, let's look at some simple things. Has he put his home for sale? Yeah, but... uh, Hold on, Steve. (laughs) Has he put his home for sale? Yes. Has his trainer put his home for sale? Yes. Has he set up his contract to void after the season to become a free agent? Yes. So if he's selling his home and his trainer's selling his home and he's boarding his contract, what does that tell you? It tells you that he's... He he did just lay out three facts that are that do add up to go, well, it's not nothing, right? I think you are 100% correct. I would say Schefter and Woj, when they make a concrete statement, they don't 
it's educated. Like they know shit. They, they, if you told me that Schefter knows more than like Giselle, right? Tom's own wife about what's going to happen, I'd believe you. My problem and the way that it's like a two minute clip, and at the end, which I thought was the best part, Randy just kind of looks at Adam and goes, Well, then where's he going to play? Just kind of like a question that any of us would ask. Right. And that kind of Schefter just doesn't really have the answer. Because I keep saying this over and over. When you look around the league's landscape, there is like five teams that truly need quarterbacks, and none of them are good. So Brady's legacy, because one thing I saw Del Rio tweet or uh, on NFL Live, and he's like, he loves saying this, I grew up in Hayward. <laughs> and he's like, you know, grew up watching Kenny Stabler and Joe Montana, two legends of the game. And neither one of them finished on the Raiders or the Niners. And I'd say the difference was on both those two situations is I'll trade Kenny Stabler and Bill Walsh slash, I don't even, was Walsh technically the general manager then? He might have already been gone. But the Niners moved on from Joe. Like that's, we've kind of seen this. Like they're not, as long as Tom keeps winning and they sure as hell look positioned to be, I'd say it'd be a pretty big upset at this point if they are not representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Now, I don't, you can never say a team's a Super Bowl lock. It's one game, weird shit's happened, they've lost Super Bowls. But I think they are as close to being a lock as you can ever be a lock to being in the Super Bowl. Like I think the Saints are fantastic, and they're by no means a lock to win a playoff game, let alone be in the Super Bowl. That's where the Patriots are at right now. But where's he going to go, guy? Like, the Falcons, let's say Matty Ice is just done. Like they, he'd he'd play a game for the he'd play a season for the Falcons. Let's say the Chargers. Let's say Rivers, who's a free agent. They for whatever reason let walk. Could you see Tom Brady playing for Anthony Lynn and the Chargers? Well, so I I'm, I do I want to go through all these teams. I think before we go through these teams, we have to ask ourselves, what are the possible motivations for Tom Brady? What are his motivations? What I think his number do? one motivation would be to prove that he is the legend with or without Bill Belichick. Okay, so I think that, to me, is the only motivation that matters to him. So, there's that. Let's just come up with any other motivation. we could. I mean, not anything well, crazy, but to me, there'd be that motivation. Why would you leave? Well, that's what is, I'm does saying. Does he have the greatest so, setup in the history of the world right now? So, there's that motivation. There would be, potentially, I guess you could have the motivation to play for the 49ers. That specific motivation, growing up in the area, being a Montana fan, right? The motivation. If the Niners needed a quarterback. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm not even. I'm just. Let's just go through okay, his motivations. Just, so one, what you said to prove he doesn't need Bill. Two, specifically if he has a destination in mind. Three, to uh, he doesn't. It's too shameful to have Bill cut him. So I'm going to quit them before they quit me. Right. I I would put that at number two. Okay. Four so, or that would kind of mesh in with proving that he can win without Bill before he Bill fucks him. Four. To start his own media career, like movie career, like go to LA. Okay, I'm just I'm not yeah. saying it is his motivation. I'm just let's try and see how many of his motivate how many of these things we Why, come up with. Okay, let's factor in the LA one. Let's say his wife just wants to live somewhere. Yes, else. five family wants to move. Like we're moving. Like if you really are going to play four more years, Tom, we're not doing it. We gotta let's go somewhere else for your next four years. Because you could say this if you're Tom. What left does he have to prove with the Patriots? Especially let's say they win the Super Bowl this year. Beside. He would devastate, and I mean devastate, if he became a free agent and then just signed with someone else and they were Super Bowl champions. 
it would be if I was a diehard, if I lived in Boston and you live, it would be a devastating thing. Yeah. To have him quit you. Yes. In the peak of his power. I mean, he's not quote unquote the peak of his powers, but after like a Super Bowl win, it would be hard to stomach. It would be weird. It would just be bizarre. Like, we need answers. Like, what more do you need from us, Tom? We fucking we'll give you everything. Six. To jumpstart Josh McDaniel's head coaching career as a package deal. But that's where I get back to, like, the Falcons, the, like, what team, he's going to play for one of those type teams? So, here to me, which team meets the most of these criteria? Be the Niners. But without Josh. See, that's where I think the L.A. Chargers come into play. I could not see him playing for the L.A. Chargers. With Josh McDaniels in L.A., Giselle gets to be in L.A., he gets to be in L.A. It's not the Niners, because the Niners have a quarterback. But it's close enough to home. It's West Coast. It's warm. Okay, if you told me that still the AFC, so you know the you, you know all the division, you know the conference. So you think they're going to fire Anthony Lynn? Well, I don't. Well, would you if they called and said Tom and Josh for Anthony Lynn and Philip Rivers? My counter would be: When has Dean ever shown you that he operates like Joe Lacob or fucking George? Simon well, this is like, hey, Dean. Much like your stadium, someone else is going to do this deal and put it on a platter for you. Well, if that happens. Dean's the biggest idiot in America if he doesn't immediately make the move. Because <laughs> you would say immediately, if Tom Brady was the quarterback for the Chargers, their games are more interesting in L.A., just off the bat. Now, it doesn't mean if their team's not as good or whatever, but that is getting people to the place, right? To see Tom Brady play football in L.A., yeah. they're selling out games. Yeah, Is that fair to say? Yeah. That would be an enormous win for Dean Spanos. I just... And maybe Dean goes, we'll give you a $35 million, a one-year $35 million deal. Now, Does, is that factor in a little bit? Or he's so rich, it's just... To like, me, if you you're willing to do this... $60 million deal? If you're willing to do this, you do have to be willing to make sure there's money to put a good enough team around you. So you... Like, if he's willing to do this, then to me, he's willing to take a contract that... Like two years, $50 million, 40 guaranteed, or something like that? Yeah, something that's... It's, I it's, think that was with Drew Brees' last deal. Be a one plus one. Because that's the other thing that's happening, is he's watching... This whole thing that Steve's talking about, right? Steve Young was saying, I thought it was really important to retire a Niner. And then I watched Jerry go play for all these other teams, and I realized it didn't matter. Like, Jerry just wanted – what did he say? It was pretty funny. It's like, Jerry just wanted to keep playing. Well, he said – and he said, no one cares now, 20 no years one cares. later. No so one I wonder cares. if Thomas – And then the Raider NBA fans are like, no, we care. We like Jerry. I wonder but Jerry was still good for the Raiders. Tom is watching all these NBA guys, LeBron, switch teams, going, it doesn't matter. Like, I'll be a Patriot okay. in the end. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the curveball. Or, or, or Charles Woodson, I'll be a Packer in the end. What if, what if Tom calls the 49ers? And mm-hmm. let's say the, the hypothetical here is Niners win the division and are the two seed and lose in the second round. Like, the Packers beat them, let's say. That's just the example I'm going to use. And Jimmy's just meh. In that game. Yeah. And Tom goes, Kyle, I want in. What do you do? Well, the first thing you say is, are you willing to take a small enough amount of money that we can keep Jimmy here as the backup? <laughs> Make Jimmy's Tom's, Tom's backup again. Because do you think it's a 100% lock if Tom makes that call, they would cut Jimmy? Because that's pretty risky. I don't think it's a 100% lock. No. I mean, because you think about, like, Bill was, we think, prepared to do the opposite. Get rid of Tom for Jimmy. <laughs> Well, I think he was fully and, and obviously Steve and Joe Montana, like, that's usually not the move. Like, the Packers did the right thing when they made the decision to move on from Brett, even though Brett had a few good years left. We do have breaking news right now. What? Emmanuel Sanders has been traded to the 49ers. I just saw it come across my iPad. Okay. 
So let's finish this conversation. I I uh, I I would say unless Jimmy, we're recording this in the end of October. They just kind of limp into the playoffs. Let's say he's kind of shitty. It would make you think, but I think if he's solid, you couldn't take the risk of a forty-three-year-old of a forty-three-year-old who isn't who's the greatest quarterback ever from here. It would be a pretty polarizing conversation. It'd be fascinating. It'd be tough. I don't think it's just an easy no. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, I'm with he you. He is I... Tom Brady, and he's still playing. Like, I'm watching him last night, going, "This guy is a fucking machine." No doubt. I thought he looked unreal last night. Just throwing BBs, darts, moving around. The other thing, if you're him, you go, the, the 49ers would be the team that's most equipped just to handle them, right? Like, they're already good. They're good on defense. He has a coach who's dynamic. They got a good tight end. They got running backs. What'd you see? I saw the vet, the Schefter tweeted what the trade was for. What'd they give him? So, are we done with Brady? We'll, we'll have plenty of time to break down other Brady teams in the future. Yeah, this, this isn't is... going anywhere. Okay, so here's the trade, John. Do you have a sound effect? Uh, we were planning on talking about this anyway. So here is the trade. Schefter, 11.51 a.m. on Tuesday. Denver trades Sanders and a fifth for a third and a fourth. So the Niners trade a third and a fourth for Emmanuel Sanders and a fifth. You know what? You think you're going to – there's six and oh, John. These are, this is a fourth right, and a fifth. Here, here, That's what we can tell here's ourselves. What I, here's what I will say. I, once you get to the third day of the draft, I don't give a shit. So that's just that's how I'm gonna look at it. I fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, I'll wipe yeah. my ass with okay. all those. I don't give a shit. Now the third, well, it's you're going to the playoffs. I I I feel very comfortable. The 49ers are a lock playoff team. The numbers are on their side. They only have they only have a couple road games room. They have a ton of home games down the stretch. Now their schedule gets a lot harder. They're gonna win double digit games and be in the playoffs. Division winner or wild card. Well, guy, if you're a wild card winner. You still pick in the 20s. So that pick is 64 is the end of the th- second round. So then add 20 picks. You're talking in the 80s, right? That pick sometimes when it's like 70, when you suck, we would crush them if they were shitty. But they wouldn't do this thing. I just think when you look at the combination of the two picks, you go, a little rich. But we also crush them for not being aggressive enough sometimes. So you've built up. You've had time. Part of the reason they're good is because they have now kind of hit on some of these third-rounders. Fred Warner, Akella Weatherspoon. They've nailed the D Ford. Richard Sherman's been a good free agent signing. They, someone DM'd me the other day like, John, if this goal keeps going pretty well and then McGlinchey and Staley comes back, do the Niners have four good tackles? I'm like, yeah, I mean, if these guys just keep being functional, that's a good problem to have. Why couldn't you flip school this offseason for like a fourth-round pick if he's a capable starting tackle? Think about that guy. So you start building your own assets internally, kind of Belichick style, and then you can move on because you're not going to need all those guys or even the AAF guy. What if you can just flip him for a fifth? Who knows? You know, If he just can be functional, I'm not saying that's going to be the case as he plays four or five games, but we haven't really heard their name. You watched the couple games. How many times have you heard school's name? You've watched a lot of NFL football games where once the backup tackle comes in, you're like, Whoa, uh, Williamson's uh, getting spun around a lot, right? You're just ruining the offense. That's not happening right here. So, yeah, my first reaction, a little rich. And then when you take a step back, I, I refuse to get worked up over third-day picks. I, I, do, I, I didn't really care that much when I was in the NFL. I couldn't give a fuck less right now. The third-rounder, 
tad bit bold, but like you, they are six and zero, and they're trying to. Yeah. Like what would what would being the one seed and hosting the NFC Championship game mean for this franchise, right? Even if you lose it, even if the Packers beat you or the Saints beat you, hosting that game, so hosting two playoff games, if you're the Niners and winning one, mean for Kyle, John, the franchise, the buzz, it would be a complete game changer, would it not? John, if they win a playoff game, I would regardless say, what round, it, then it, and and he, you know, like provided he's, you know, he gets hurt, it's a. But they win a playoff game, and he's a part of the team, like a real part of the team. See, I, I don't even necessarily mean, at the end of the day, the impact he makes, because you can't really control that, right? If he's just, because you're not going to force feed him the ball. Like, I don't think his numbers are going to look as crazy. As long as you get there, and people go, well, it didn't quite work out, but we still won a playoff well, game, put all the chips in the middle of the table. Yeah, look, I mean, if you win, then all this stuff is usually cool. But if we're talking about, did you was this the right trade? Because I think if that happens, you'd argue, well, you didn't have to do it. So I do think you need him to contribute to this team if we're just talking about the context of winning this, you know, not beating the Broncos per se, but getting the value of this trade. Like, Would you say best case scenario, you win with him and then you resign him for like two years, 15 million? <laughs> best case scenario, he catches the game-winning touchdown in the first round of the playoffs like Golden Tate did, but you're not in the wild card game. That's the best case scenario, right? Like once Golden Tate catches the game-winning touchdown against the Bears for the Eagles last year, we don't even debate. He doesn't even need to do that. He's just got to be a contributing player. Um. And then, yeah, if, you, if he's good enough that you re-sign, then yes, that's even – that's the value. Because, like, Mohamed Sanu was a second-round pick, end of the second. Would you have rather traded pick whatever, let's say 32, in the second round? See, the problem is they, they couldn't have done that because they didn't have a second-round pick. No, I, I, I know, I know. I'm just saying, yeah. like, what's the – like, to me, Mohamed Sanu's been a more productive player, but – You you would rather have Mohamed Sanu 100%. But for the price, he is under contract for next year – the good news is, if you can call it good news, you're just this is a flyer on a guy. If he's not good, you just walk away. You know, you do agree in a vacuum. You would feel much more comfortable trading a three and a four than a two for a player, right? You would rather have the two than the three and the four. I'll, with one caveat, as long as like we're talking in the same range in each round, like I'd rather. Yeah, yeah. like if you're a, if you're a nine and seven team, every range of that round, right? Not like. Well, the three and the four are of the of the uh, Washington Redskins, and the two is of the fucking Patriots. Yeah, I'm saying you're the Niners. Yes, and let's say you had all the picks. Now you can't always argue like you can trade your three and a four to get in the second round. That's the one thing. Like you can move from the third round usually if you include the four sometimes to get in. That's it does limit your ability to like think about this guy. I'd have to Google. Maybe they have a third or a fourth, an extra one. But I'm pretty sure next year they're only going to have a first-round pick. They don't have a second. Right. They don't have a third. And they don't have a fourth. Unless they let Eric Armstead walk. Well, that's – well, I, I think they're probably thinking that, right? Like, we can – do you franchise Eric Armstead and you trade him for a second? Because I think you'll be able to do something like that. That's where I think – that's where good teams that develop their own guys – have wiggle room. Like, part of the Chiefs was like, yeah, we can trade for Frank Clark because we can flip D Ford for a second. Like, it, it, the more good players you have, you can't afford every player. So can you constantly flip guys? That's that's an underrated part of the Belichick run. I saw a lot of people saying this today. I can't believe Belichick gave a second for, a, for Mohamed Sanu. Well, yeah, Belichick's third-round pick is shittier than every team in the league's third-round pick. Because if you're the Atlanta Falcons, you go... 
they're probably going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> so literally every team that goes, we'll give you a third, and then Bill goes, I'll give you my third too, their pick is shittier than theirs. So it's like, well, I'd rather have the 49ers third than your third, Bill. So he has to offer the second. And he, someone made a good point. There's a reason he always trades back and accumulates all these picks because it one, he never truly like likes a guy at that spot, and he's never tied to one player, and it always gives him more wiggle rooms in the next draft, in trades. He's always he's always got eight pitches, not just the one. So I do think the 49ers, for the most part, have somewhat hoarded picks the last several years, and that's the right move. This was the first year where they said they were a couple years in, they were drafting the top ten every year. They kind of said fuck it, because they pretty bold move to get D Ford. And it's paid dividends. But but he I'll say this. He's he's good for a sack a game, so it's earning it. You know he's playing like less than 50% of the snaps every game. Emmanuel you could Sanders. argue no, I'm I'm saying D4. Uh oh. Like D four is not even close to a full time player. He's just a quote unquote, we used to call him in, in the league, a designated pass rusher. Like he's just part time player. But he's really but as long as but he's really good at that thing. Well, he's the best designated pass rusher in the league. Like, they don't ask him to play the run. They don't, they just, passing downs go in there and just speed rush. And right, no one, do you notice? No one complains. But think about this. Imagine if D Ford wasn't getting the job done. That's where if Emmanuel Sanders isn't great, but you keep winning, I don't think you really nitpick it. Where D Ford, imagine if he had zero sacks. Like, he's got four and a half sacks through six games. He's probably going to get double digit sacks. At like his participation is going to be well less than 50% of the snaps. But imagine if that number was, God, he only had two sacks and he played 50% of the snaps. So part of it is you contribute at a high level at an important position. One, that's where D forward and the team's winning. But as long as you win, like we don't really nitpick. Do you know Solomon Thomas played like 18 snaps in Washington? No one even cares. And this is where we talked about for the while, a while with the bus draft picks you don't nitpick bus draft picks when your team's winning. Like, no one nitpicks Belichick's drafts because he's in the AFC Championship game every year. Most times he's in the Super Bowl. But my, it is, it's it's a risky move, but isn't it time for the Niners to start taking some risks? Yeah, like to me, and this goes back, and you made this point, Mohamed Sanu is worth more to the Patriots than he's worth to other teams. The better you are, the thinner the margins are, the more you're willing to pay for something, to overpay for something, if... Like, if you overpay for Mohamed Sanu, it's fine because you might not need you might not need what we think a second-round receiver is. You might just need what we think a third-round receiver is. But it costs you more to get him because you're at the end of the third round. And you don't need 80 catches out of Mohamed Sanu. You just might need five specific things from him over the course of the season that you believe he can do. This is where having an offensive coach when you're trading for an offensive player, specifically the play caller, like... I have no doubt in my mind that Kyle Shanahan has exactly in his mind what it is he wants Emmanuel Sanders to be and what he wants Emmanuel Sanders to do. And if he thinks his team currently lacks it and this guy can give it to him, well, then that's the difference. Like, when you start racing cars, what are we talking about? We start talking about milliseconds to win races, splits, splits of seconds. People who are sprinters, the best sprinters, it's about I got to get like an ounce off of my shoe so I can get a one sixteenth of a second faster start. Well, if I run a ten one and you run a ten three, I win. So yeah, I'll spend whatever I spend if I'm Nike developing a shoe that's like three ounces lighter. So that's where we are. Like they are, they are an undefeated football team. 
There are two undefeated football teams who both, air quotes, overpaid for wide receivers today. So I, you know, I know we don't put the Niners in the it, same category. It, it, it means way less to the Patriots whether it works or not, though, right? Yeah, I mean, in the end, yes. But right now, in 2019, and 20, in the 2019-2020 season, nobody's won the Super Bowl. Not, the New, not even the New England Patriots. They won a bunch before, yeah. but they haven't won any yet this year. And, Kyle, and I think Kyle and, and any team would tell you that's going to be in the playoffs this year. The Packers right now, the Saints. Everyone's, like the Patriots, in theory, could go undefeated. I mean, the Niners could too, but we know they won't. Like the Patriots legitimately could run the table. And I think the, Sean Payton would look you in the eye. I think Rodgers would look you in the eye. I think Kyle and John Lynch. We've seen it happen before that the team got them in the Super Bowl. I think we could f- say safely that if they go undefeated, they'd basically be a lock to be in the Super Bowl, unless Mahomes just eviscerated them. He's the only guy I could see beating him, knocking him out in the AFC. But the great part about football, this is not a seven-game series, where if Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Draymond and Clay are healthy, you're fucked. Where is football? It's just one game. It, if, and what's the one thing, I think if you're the Niners, well, what's the one thing historically that's fucked up Brady? A pass rush. A pass rush. And the Giants did it twice. The Broncos got him that one year in the AFC Championship game. We're as equipped as any team just because we can rush the shit out of the passer. And then you'd go, well, this might be the best Patriot defense in the history of their franchise. Well, at least we have the best asset to at least attempt to, one, he watches their film every week, so he's probably taking a little jotting little notes, and he's just an offensive coach that maybe can scheme up some shit to get him. And I'm not saying they would or could, or would even, they'd have to, it, it would be, if the 49ers were to get to the Super Bowl, it'd be like one of the greatest years in the history of their franchise. Because they would have probably won the division, which no one really kind of felt confident about them winning the division. Two, the teams they would probably knock off to get there, let's say the Packers or the Cowboys and like the Saints or Vikings, it would be pretty impressive. I mean, they, they might, there's a chance they would be a home team and it'd be like a pick 'em. Like, are we sure that if, even if they were in the NFC Championship game against the Packers or the Saints, they would be the favorite? Because I, I think uh, a lot of betters would, if you get like the Saints plus three, don't you think a lot of people would bet on the Saints? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that would be the right line, but I, I think that just because it's their first year ever in the dance with this group, like what has Jimmy done to just assume that he's just beating Rodgers or Breeze? Right. In the, it, we've seen it time and time. Now, he may, but you got to prove you can do it before we – part of why – the second time when Eli beat Brady, we're like, well, this could happen. We didn't say that the first time, though. They were a 12-point, 13-point underdog. I think the second time he made the run, I vividly we looked at that Super Bowl way different. Once you prove you can do it, and that's where I think Kyle and these guys, they, they got to prove, and they're just in this mode. And part of Emmanuel is just getting to the playoffs and winning a playoff game is changes your friend, changes the way people look at Kyle, changes the way we talk about this team. It's a game changer. Like, part of what fucked the Raiders a couple years ago, well, mainly was the injury, but it was like the whole year was kind of forgotten once Derek went down. Like, did the Raiders make the playoffs a couple years ago? Yeah, they got blown out in the first round. It's like you, you there was no build off it. Now, that was, the circumstances were different because your quarterback shattered his ankle. But... The great part about making the playoff is building off a playoff victory. A victory. Like, think about the Bears last year. They were one and done. And now it feels like they're not even going to get back. Like, when you can build off a playoff victory and have, like, three or four. Like, that's part of the Chiefs. Like, well, 
We were this close to getting them. Give us, give us a fucking another shot. The Colts last year, we beat the Texans, then we got blo- give us another shot. You know, we just want another shot. Like the Niners aren't, they just want a shot. They just want to be there. And there is nothing like making the playoffs for business in the NFL because then you're just viewed as a good team, and then your and then your your money goes up. Just what you can sell. That we already talk extensively about how important this team is to this area in just terms of just interest. I I, I think because I, I think Kyle would look at you like we're not locked to make the playoffs. I think he said a couple times yeah. I've been five and zero in this league and missed the playoffs. And that's where, you know, my statement of there's some playoff lock, you could argue, well, they're look at their schedule. They could lose all those games. Yeah. You would say the law of averages would be impossible for that to happen, but they could. Uh, credit to – so Chris Biederman, I see, just tweeted, I guess, Kyle last year um, before a game against Denver in December – said this about Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel, to me, has always been one of the most underrated receivers in this league his entire career. I think he's been a number one receiver since he's been in Denver. Emmanuel is the man. He's always been the man. He's extremely quick. He knows how to separate. He can beat man coverage. He's also fearless. He's aggressive with the ball. He doesn't mind going in there and blocking. He doesn't mind going over the middle. And he's one of the tougher challenges in the league. Middlecoff, this dude is about to have like 70 catches in seven games. You remember like Peyton Manning's first or second year, Emmanuel Sanders signed with Andy Reid and then backed out and signed with Denver. You remember that? No. It was like six or seven years ago. When he left Pittsburgh. He signed with the Chiefs. Yeah. It might have been like Andy's second year with Alex. They desperately needed a wide receiver. But he didn't actually sign on the dotted line. Uh-huh. It was one of those committed that no one really ever backs out anymore. And then he backed out and signed with Peyton Manning. I mean, I think it well, had Peyton was that like when he agreed to Kansas City? Had Peyton not gone to Denver yet? I think Peyton had already been there a year. Okay, I, I'd have to look at the dates, but so Emmanuel's first year in like, Denver was 2014. Yeah, so Peyton's first year in Denver would have been 13. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm looking. So, yeah, I mean, if Kyle likes him. Think about this: two wide receivers in the NFL. Their combined records on their teams were two and twelve. Went to two teams that are twelve and zero: Muhammad Sanu and Emmanuel Sanders. The two guys left two of the worst teams in the league. Now the Broncos are one of the weird bad teams, but there's the record for a receiver an awful situation. Yeah, sucks. It sucks, and they they get to go to situations. It's a double whammy for both guys. They're both needed on teams that with offensive. I mean, Belichick's not an op, but he kind of is. I, I don't even consider Belichick a defensive guy. I just consider him a coach. <laughs> what, what position does Belichick coach? Every? Yeah. All of them? Yes. Correct. Yes. <laughs> you know, does he what coach? does Belichick do? I don't know. He dictates the strength conditioning staff. He dictates where they stay. He dictates fucking it all. You know? He dictates. That's what Belichick does. He tells every coach what to do. Maybe not Dante Scarnecchia is the one guy he leaves alone a little bit. Uh, maybe. It, it does feel like he... The older he's gotten, like, Josh is kind of running that ship. I think that's maybe why Josh kind of likes the job. Like, how often do you ever see him really fucking with Josh? Yeah, you don't see him fucking with Josh. But he could be in the and I, When I say fucking with him, I even, I even mean, like, I, I just think Josh knows, and maybe it's just they just know exactly what the other likes, so Josh <laughs> knows what Bill, maybe every once in a while he goes, Josh, I'd run it here. I mean, he just gives him a, I think the trust level there so, is pretty high. All right, so Emmanuel, John, 
Uh, let's run through this real quick. The leading receiver for the 49ers is who? Beside Kittle? No. Kittle counts? Kittle. Kittle counts. Kittle. Yeah. Kittle's got 34. Yeah. Okay, so now take him aside because he's a tight end. I bet the next guy has like 12. Close. Debo Samuel has 15 catches. Marquise Goodwin has 11. Um, Dante Pettis has 9. Gosh, we talked... Huh. Matt, well, Matt Breida has 11 catches, okay? So Debo has 15, Goodwin has 11. Those are your, that's the receiving group that has double figures. You know how many catches Emmanuel Sanders has? 25. He's got 30 catches. So he's the yeah. Niners' leading receiver. Well, guy, I, I think the first thing you just say, yeah, he's a pro. And I, I think when you say, like, yeah, all these guys are pros, well, there's a difference in pros. Like, he's a accomplished pro. Like, a really, really good player. Before his Achilles... You have some. You have his NFL.com page. I, I, yeah, I got like, his. Like, what were some of what were some of his years in like 15, 16, 17 with Peyton? Yeah, or I guess so 14, it was 15, so so fourteen. His first year there was a hundred catch, one hundred one and fourteen hundred yards. Jesus, how many touchdowns? Nine, career high. Pretty good year. Fifteen was seventy six catches, eleven hundred thirty five yards. I think 14 was the Denver Broncos' like historic year on offense when Peyton threw like 48 touchdowns and they set all the records for touchdowns and yards. Because they had Julius Thomas, they had Demarius Thomas, like they just were loaded, and Peyton was just in the peak of his older powers. That team was fucking good. Then they lost in the playoffs to the to the Baltimore Ravens. And then 16, he was 107. Sorry, he was 79 catches, 10, uh, 1,000 yards. But he had three straight years there where he was targeted 136 times or more for three straight years. Even last year, John, last year he had 71 catches. What? You, how many games did he play? Uh, it's pretty impressive that he tore his Achilles and already back. 12. 12. So he's played 12 so and 11 in the last like two years. December. Okay. I, 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 for as much shit as John Elway takes... You can't ask him to get much more back for Emmanuel Sanders in a contract year who's coming off an Achilles. That's that's a pretty good haul, right? That's a good get for John Elway. Yeah. Like he they didn't give him away. That's it's good that's I I'd say it's a win win. It's one of those classic win wins. No different than if you got a second round pick from Muhammad Sanu. Would you rather so you'd rather have pick thirty two or excuse me, pick 64, then pick 84 and 110, right? Yeah. So I, I think it was probably a pretty easy deal. Like, I, I bet one of them is like, listen, we need a little more than a third. And they're like, okay, take our fourth, too. Let's fucking move on. Let's get this done. Give us a fifth. What, what, are, we, what are we haggling over? Do you want the guy or not? So I think sometimes you just got to ask, do you want the guy or not? You're not mortgaging the future. Right to me, future is our first and second round picks. Anything after that, I think sometimes you can nitpick. It's like I, we all nitpick about purchases all the time. Do I really? Well, if you want to get it, I mean, if you have the money and you can afford it, just get it. Right? Are you are you being reckless with your money? Well, like, so to me, reckless would have been like them giving a second for. Like, what if I told you they gave their first round for Calvin Ridley? Would that be crazy? Would you go? Well, he's twenty three years old. He's pretty good. See, I don't and like got him under contract for a while. It's like, can we get that level? What, where was he drafted? First round? Yeah, I know, but do you know what pick? Yeah, like mid to early 20s. Because that was one thing I saw with the Texans. It's like, you know, if Gary and Conley hadn't been accused, 
pre-draft of the, the if that rape accusation hadn't been there that was later proven wrong, he would have gone top 10. It's like, okay, but we're watching him right now. He's not a top 10 player. But Calvin Ridley, you know. And he wouldn't have gone top 10. He would have gone like the teens. You could justify that. Like, if I told you Stephon Diggs got traded today, he didn't. What would that have been? Like, top. What would first, he? Yeah, for, I mean, he just had a game two weeks ago where he had three touchdowns, 100, 200. Yeah, yards, not so, yeah. like to me, it wouldn't be first. Like, it'd have to be like top. Like, you couldn't just get, like, to me, I, pick 28 is not getting that done. Like, if you're the Vikings, which, you know, the biggest genius move Emmanuel, or uh, Stefan Diggs ever said, I want to get traded. The next three weeks, they, they've given him like 20 targets a game. And he's just killing it. He's had back-to-back 150-yard games. He's making plays left and right. The trade talks have kind of quieted down. But if they were going to trade him, like, could they just trade him to the Niners for their first-round pick? Because if you're a Vikings fan, like, so we just traded one of our best players for pick 26? I don't think you could, John. That's what I'm saying. I think you'd need, like, right now a top-10 pick for the guy. Maybe, because I don't know, if, if you knew he'd be that, he would not last until the 10th pick in the NFL draft. But the problem is, like, the Dolphins aren't trading you their one from sure, of course. Stephon so Dix. So not getting so traded. kind of... Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I like a little. I like a little mid-show breaking news. I do too. I. Um, I. Kyle Shanahan to me is like one of the when he believes in an offensive player, it almost you're like okay, maybe there is something more here. With Uzcheck, they were right. Yeah, he's been, but he's missed some. Guys. I know. I, mean, I know. Joe Williams. I know, but this maybe is not draft. Joe Williams. It's a little. It's a little different when the guy. This is in the an league. established NFL player. He he's been besides some of his quarterbacks, you know. I guess it would just if we're not counting draft picks, it would just be Hoyer, which he really just hired to be a backup quarterback in theory. He's pretty good with isolating guys in the league because I think it's easier for him. There's no projection, right? This is this is what Emmanuel Sanders does well. This is what I'll ask him to do with with college players. That's why a scouts are better than coaches at evaluating guy. It's a projection where. Really, the free agency and trades, it's kind of plug and play. Well, let's you would just ask your scouting staff or your quality control guy, go the last two years and break down and give me a hit tape of every route of these seven routes that we run that he ran to. You're like, fuck, he's crushing it, and you just plug and play it. Were we the first ones to I talk about Emmanuel Sanders to the, night, to the night? Well, I know, and you, you've talked about plug and play since day one of Terrestrial Radio. Like, not all NFL players are plug and play. Not all NFL players are plug and play. Well, because if you get a guy that's good in scheme, like Namdi um, uh, uh, Asamoah, I saw it firsthand. He was, a, he was a press corner, and then we're asking him to, like, play off zone. He's like, what am I doing? Now, he was just physically shot anyway. It was a double whammy. But you can't ask a player. Like, the great thing about Marcus Peters, I, I saw the highlight of his pick yesterday. If you just ask him to play just zone and just kind of just kind of roam, fucker's going to make plays. Zone and roam? But if you ask, like, if you ask him to, like, press man, run with it, that's not his deal. What? If you ask Asante Samuel just to do what he's doing or Emmanuel Sanders – They'll be fine. What yeah, is, the good thing with the Niners is they're not really running go routes anymore, right? They're just running shit across the middle. A lot of quick game. They love a good quick game pass, like a quick out. The Marquis Goodwin drops every other play. Yeah, this does help George Kittle. Just one more guy you have to like. You just have to kind of worry about Emmanuel Sanders if he's on the football field. Now you, this is. I'm not trying to be negative Nancy here, guy. But there was a reason they had to double down on the pass rush because they missed on a th- number three overall draft pick yeah. in Solomon Thomas. So it they got him Nick Bosa and D Ford. There's a reason they had to just give a third and fourth round pick. They've just drafted back to back wide receivers in the second round. They did that. 
Well, now, you could even De- add Jalen Hurd, you know, Jalen Hurd being hurt. Yeah, so and two of them are hurt. Oh, Debo's hurt right now, too. He didn't play last game. Right. Who knows if he's going to be able to play this game. And Dante, who's actually slowly kind of growing on me a little. I, but I, I'm actually with you there. One thing to be growing on me and be like, well, is he better than Kendrick Bourne? And your answer is, well, no, no, not right now. Richie James? Is you, yeah, you do need, like, you wouldn't feel confident going into a playoff game against the Green Bay Packers, the New Orleans Saints, rolling out like Kendrick Bourne, Richie James, and fucking Debo Samuel, right? That's where I think the Niners had to do this. But, like, some teams roll out Devontae Adams and Juju Smith that they get in the second round in playoff games. Yeah, uh, look, you. so I think it's fair to discredit them for those they, picks. They, yeah, but it's also good. I think you commend the flexibility of not marrying themselves to, I don't even, it might be a little early to even call it mistakes. They, they, clearly, that that is just not a strength right now. Wouldn't you say, and I was thinking about this yesterday Although with uh, the Mitch Trubisky and yeah. Ryan Pace, like anything in life, Right, and sports a good example. When you when you lose a game, they always say like, "We'll just focus on the next game." So you're gonna try to win. Like you don't hold on to losses that long. Draft picks are the one where guys hold on to, like you just hold on to the L. Like Ryan Pace, you're gonna get extra crushed if next year you're like, "We're still gonna make Mitch the starter," and he's proven that he sucks. That if you just accept the L, you're gonna get crushed no matter what. But go listen, I screwed up. We need to upgrade this position. We're going to do everything we can to have a better quarterback. People will be like, well, at least he looked in the mirror and didn't stay hold on to something just because it was his pick. And that's where I think you give the Niners some credit. Like, it'd be easy. Let's just make sure, you know, Dante will keep working. Dante. Yeah, well, you don't have time for that. Because like you said, they are 6-0. They're headed to the playoffs. They're just going to play in these big – they got fucking the Saints coming up, the Packers. You need some big boys. You know, you, you need some guys. And that's why I think the Packers right now have been a team that's like, they need Devontae to come back because how long can they depend on Lazardo to keep making all these crazy plays? It is asking a lot of guys. Now, sometimes, and I said this with Darren Waller, I was hesitant to be like, they loved him in camp. Typically, guys that have never done anything don't become, you know, it's just depending on a guy that's never done anything and that's been in the league a while, it's hard to do because typically you're let down. He's a rare example of they hit a home run. But most guys aren't that. Like, more than likely, Dante Pettis is just going to be Dante Pettis. <laughs> He's had some good plays, a lot of bad plays. Kyle will be up and down with them. Just be what it is. Yeah. You, you know Emmanuel Sanders can make plays against star cornerbacks. That, I also think, helps you, you know. Look at the teams that you're going to have to beat in in the NFC. Talking about Jalen Ramsey? Well, Jalen Ramsey, you just Seattle's well-coached team. The Saints, Marcus Lattimore. You have the Green Bay Packers have King and Jair Alexander. Like, the DBs, that's where the Eagles got to be like, God, we need to upgrade this position because all these fucking teams in the NFC have a good corner. Uh, the the Minnesota Vikings, most teams have good corners in the NFC. And you're not – and the other thing, they have good defensive lines, so you can't just run the ball down their throat. It gets back to Thielen getting mad at uh, Kirk Cousins. Like, we can't run for 150 yards every game. And then Dalvin Cook's like, well, maybe we can did you see that Kirk Cousins apologized to Adam Thielen and then Zimmer got mad? They're like, Cousins showed weakness or something? Was- <laughs> no, I did not see that. Uh, I'm excited, John, to see this Emmanuel Sanders thing, though. I know that. I am too. All right. Uh, outside of that, Sam Darnold, Raiders. Raiders made a trade. Raiders made a trade. Before we get He's to that. He's Texans? Hmm? Houston Texans? That's right. To the Houston Texans. That's correct. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's tell the people about Untuck It. 
and SeatGeek. We appreciate their support of the pod, and um, just as importantly, we appreciate your support of the sponsors. Hopefully we get something for everybody. If you want to support the podcast, thank you. Untuck It, the brand you've been looking for, the original untucked shirt, a modern solution to an old problem with no tucking or tailoring, no matter your size, your shape, perfect untuck length. Looks good on everybody, whether you're Drew Brees or us. Um, so you just go to untuckit.com, use the promo code HAM. Boom, 20% off your first order. I mean, if you if you want our children to go to public schools or not go to public schools and go to private schools, you got to use these promo codes. And I'm giving you sweet promo codes because untuckit.com, I love their stuff. I have so many shirts, button-ups, long sleeves, collared shirts. Untuckit.com, promo code HAM. Like you said, something for everyone. And these shirts, to me, they're just they're the most versatile they're, they're like uh, they're like a George Kittle. They can do it all. Like, what do you need? You want to go on a date? You want to go on a job interview? You want to just lounge around the house? They, they work for everything, and they work with every outfit. You want to like look nice? You want to just be cash? They're they're just they're a versatile, versatile thing in your closet, guy. Untuckit.com promo code ham twenty percent off. I walk by the store on Union Street a lot. They always got new stuff in the window. So check them out. Stores across the country. If you're in the area here, or if you find another store, go go check out their stuff. Try it on. Uh, podcast also brought to you by SeatGeek. Get your tickets. Use the SeatGeek app. Use our promo code HAM, and you get 10 bucks off your first purchase. Done. Buddy Buddy uh, texted me today. Healed? He said he's buddy going healed? to Luke. Oh. No, not Buddy Yield. Going to Luke Combs. I think he's coming to the SAP Center. Oh. They use SeatGeek uh, and a little promo code HAM. Get themselves a little deal. <laughs> Section 2-0 something I saw. So, uh, again, download the SeatGeek app. Concerts, games comedy you name anything you think of you just like oh is does, is there a venue by your house just type in the you know, you live by the chase center you live by the la coliseum just type it in you'll see all the upcoming events you'll be like oh i kind of want to go check out this and then see the tickets and then use the find the little green dot find the best deal and then you type in that little thing that called the promo code ham and get yourself a little ten dollars off guy how do you beat it you can't no big green dot like you said makes it so easy ten bucks off your first purchase if you've already used SeatGeek app share it with your friends Everybody's always looking for a SeatGeek promo code. Everybody always looking for a SeatGeek promo code. So here it is, H-A-M, HAM, 10 bucks off, shows, games, get it all. Do all, it. All right, Raiders made a trade as well. Uh, now, they traded away a player. This was a weird one, though. You trade away a player to a team you're about to play, Gary and Conley. I did, my first reaction to this trade was, if you had told me Gary and Conley's about to get traded, I honestly would not have guessed you'd get a third-round pick for him. And your immediate response was, well, he was a first-round pick. <laughs> so if I was John Gruden... And, and I know he was coming off a terrible game, but he hasn't been that bad. Like, he's been a functional starter and had made some plays in the past. In the past. In the past. Not recently. The, the, the game tape... I, I saw Bill O'Brien had a quote. Like, we've been talking about this for a while because you didn't just start talking on Monday after watching the Green Bay game. Like, if you... if you, I guess he doesn't have a GM, but you, like, yelled at your scouts, like, yo, can we break down the Green Bay-Conley effort? He would have been like, uh, coach, uh, I don't think you want to see that because it wasn't pretty. They got destroyed. He got destroyed. But I do think he was a first-round pick, and he was, you know, a, he is a very, very physically gifted player. He's tall. He can run. He actually has good ball skills, and he's young. I saw some people tweeting, like, Gruden said something yesterday that we wanted to get younger at the position. And it's like, John, he's 24. He's but they do have a group of young, like, they got, like, three young corners that they want to play, right? Would you say, to me, the number one factor is this is just not John's guy. John has yeah. now a proven resume that if you're not his guy, you're not a lock to be around. Whether you're the best player in the league as, as a pass rusher, 
Or your Gary Conley. Especially if you there's know? some of his guys waiting behind you to try and play. Yeah, he's – you're right. He drafted uh, the kid uh, Mullins, the second-round pick from Clemson, who played week one and did not do well. And that's why Gruden, I think, they couldn't trade, get rid of Conley early in the season because that guy wasn't ready. I watched some of Gruden's press conference yesterday, and he's just confident that he's gotten a lot better over the last month and a half in practice. And plus, I, I think if you're Gruden, like don't you the guy that ultimately you want out there, you can live and die with his mistakes more than the guy you don't even want getting smoked, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can live with Mullins getting beat. That's your second round pick. And even John said that. Like, I'll live and die with him. He's my guy. Is like, Isaiah John the, the guy the fourth round pick from Houston, Isaiah Johnson, is he off IR? No, I think he's, he's hurt. Yeah, he, but he's com- but he's coming back, you know, whenever that allows eight weeks, right? So he will be playing, in theory, in the next couple weeks. I think what's crazy about this, though... He started practicing last week. Is this game is not just some random throwaway game. This game, texting with someone from the Raiders, like, it is a playoff game Sunday. You win, you are the sixth seed guy. And you gave a guy that is just going to have some information. He's been in your fucking building since you've been there. It's not like he's going to hurt their preparation. This is one of those that it could just balance a play here, a play there. Now, is Gruden living and dying with making the playoffs this year? No, but I don't think he doesn't want to make the playoffs. He wants to win this game. And I saw a Tafer tweet, like, clearly shows you he's not that worried about this guy being there. Right. Which, obviously, he's not. And I was watching, I watched the Texans game back yesterday. The, the Colts, fuck. They they're the, they look so bad against the Raiders, and they look so goddamn good against the Texans. It was like they were two different teams. The Texans did lose one of their corners in that game, so I do think it upped the urgency. Mac like, And Mac didn't t- play in the Raider game. Marlon Mack. That's true. Or T.Y. Hilton, who had fucking sweet plays in that game. I saw some Colts fans texting me. It's just one of those that if you don't live and die with the rivalry – it's funny. That's well, I, I only I, I only remember the Marlon Mack thing because the next because when the Colts he killed the Chiefs the next night. Or week. Yeah, what happened? Then I was like, oh, it makes the Raiders look better, and I got a bunch of like, well, Mack didn't a bunch of Colts fans. I mean, well, Mack didn't play against the Raiders. Oh, that's I what it was. I just said. I just said the the Raiders last two weeks, Colts and Bears looks really good now, and then I got a bunch of Marlon Mack truthers. Wayne T Y I guess owns the Texans. Like whenever he plays the Texans, he crushes. But, you know, I would say the guy that's truly living and dying with the playoffs is Bill O'Brien, right? Not making the playoffs if you're Bill O'Brien is a crippling season. You just traded two first-round picks for Laramie Tunzel to at minimum make the playoffs. I would say not winning the division would sting. That's why that game Sunday kind of stung. Now, it wasn't Indy. not the end of the world. You still get them in Houston, you win this game, you just go, well, we're going to be right there with them. It's not, it's one of those, I think sometimes, like, when you, it's just a one-off. Like, when the Niners play the Packers, that game is just, a, like, the, the Raiders play the Texans, it's a one-off. When you play a team in your division, it's not a one-off. When you're going to be that competing with that team for the division crown, you, when it's the first time, and especially on the road, you go, well, we'll get these guys again. And that's where I think that if you're Texans, you don't feel you're out of it. I, I will say this about the game, though, just watching the Texans. They're not just some, like, super team. 
You know, they're kind of a two-headed monster on offense. Deshaun just running around, making plays, throwing to Hopkins, who's phenomenal. Kenny Stills is okay. They got Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde. I'm not saying this game is a win for the Raiders, but it's much more winnable than last week. Mm -hmm. It's not... If you told me the Raiders win this game, I could believe you. Now, who is covering DeAndre Hopkins, and how are they pass rushing Deshaun Watson? I'm not. They deserve to be the underdog in this game, and the Texans should win. Six but and it a is half. a winnable game, which to me, I'd argue, might be a little big. But yep. the Texans, who were you know viewed as a playoff team coming into the year because that's what they've been, this is. I mean, this is. They have to have it. Like if you look at the the good teams coming into the season that are must win this season. Or this individual week, like the Eagles. The Eagles have to, they can't go three and five, like kiss the playoffs goodbye. I think the Chargers, Bears, one of those two teams is clearly going to win the game, but the Chargers being two and five, you're probably fucked. The Bears at three and three, you lose to the Chargers, it's to see ya. Like this game, the Texans lose, because to me, the Raiders win this game, that doesn't mean they're a playoff lock, (laughs) right? Because I I get a lot of like Raider fans tweet me, well, look at our schedule in the second half. And I say, yeah, on paper, it looks easy, but. I don't just get to chalk you up beating the Jaguars or sweeping the Chargers or going to Denver and winning. Like, you're not good enough to get, like, Patriot treatment, right? You just look at them like they're just going to beat all these teams in the second half, even though, quote-unquote, it's an easier schedule than the first half. Like, you're just going to go to Denver and win or go to the Home Depot Center and win or beat the Jaguars or even beat the Jets. No, but every game you win makes me think you're more likely to win another. That's like what I'm saying. Like this you, game, I'm like, okay. Well, that's why. Pe- but I'm saying people have been tweeting at me like, John, you say if they don't win this game this weekend, they're done. But look at their second half schedule. I say, well, if you're three and five, why do I think that you're just going to beat the Lions, you know, or beat the Jaguars? But it, yeah, you're right. If you're four and three, I go, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you got a very good chance to be nine wins, ten wins. But if you lose this game, especially kind of handily, like you just lost, or just kind of. Because you have major flaws. You can't rush the passer, and you can't really cover people. So just look at the Lions game, for example. Like, well, if you can't rush Matt Stafford, you notice they can throw the ball pretty well. Like, they lose games 40-30, to 30, not 40-10. to 10. So they're putting up 30 points, and I'm watching you guys. You're, it's harder for you to throw up the points. Same with the Jaguars. Like, you watching Gardner? He throws it to DJ and D.D. Westbrook at will. Like, these, these teams are kind of potent. DJ the Jets Shark. Are, uh, DJ Shark, guys. I'll tell you two guys that the scout in me sees and just kind of likes would be DK Metcalf, one, who's way better, clearly, than anyone thought, and that guy, DJ Shark. He's, he fucking stands out when you watch a Jaguar game. Yeah. I actually kind of like their little combo, DD and DJ. They've made a lot of plays. God, they, when you just see their highlights, it's one of those two guys, and Gardner throwing it to him. What does Gardner's record have to be to ensure that Foles doesn't come back and Wally Pip him? Uh, I don't know if it's record. Just how it feels and looks? Yeah, like... Like, right. did you feel Kyle Allen got the benefit of the doubt, or do you think Cam's still a little injured? Because you see they announced he's going to start. Yeah. Um, both? Well, last week they said that he might come back. Both? That's what's kind of weird. It's an easy one. You say, he's not quite ready. We've been rolling. Because here's where I stand on the Cam one. 
I think Gardner one's a little different because you drafted him and he's kind of a sensation where if he's 500 and Foles is just such a good guy, he would just sit on the bench. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I kind of It becomes a little You think he's a lock to get booted? No, I don't think he's a lock to get booted, but I to me there is an argument to bring Foles back. It's a lot of time missed, especially if you're, I know, if but you're it's in the like, playoff mix. But it's like, I know that Nick Foles can win playoff games. So if my goal is to get and win, get to the playoffs and win playoff games, don't I need to get this guy right? Well, let's say this. When Foles is ready to come back, you're like 6-4. and four, Right. You know? And I think that's the thing with Cam. Where, here's what, and I'm not even a Cam guy. I think if Cam's healthy, regardless what your record is, you 100% start him. Because unlike Minshew... Who's really caping for Kyle Allen, right? It's like, Kyle, you can go to the bench, and if he sucks, you can come back. That's just, you're an undrafted free agent. That's the way the world works. I'm not saying that's necessarily the right, but it's just the way it's going to be. The the equity that Cam has at minimum is worth that. (laughs) Because it's it's also a little different when it's your guy. Like, you've been in the franchise forever when Foles was his big free agent signing, but you kind of get forgotten about. Like, Cam doesn't get forgotten about. You know, he's still the, he's still the elephant in the room because you go well if Camp is healthy, aren't he's probably better than Kyle Allen. And again, I'm not a, I'm not a Cam guy, but if he's 100 percent healthy, but you're not a Kyle Allen chances. guy. <laughs> well, I just th- say that how often does an undrafted free agent just take the world by storm? You know, yeah. I'm interested to watch him this weekend against the Niners. Like, is Kyle Allen going to throw for three touchdowns? Um. So I do know one thing that McCaffrey on the first drive. What would you say his over/under yards on their first drive? Sixty. Oh, over. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's going to be bang, bang, boom, touchdown. Uh, so this is Gardner Minshew's last four games against the Bengals. He was fifteen of thirty-two, which is forty-seven percent for a touchdown, no pick. The week before the Saints, I mean, obviously, really tough. good team. Yeah, tough. Fourteen of twenty-nine. That's forty-eight percent, no touchdowns, a pick. The week before the Panthers. 26 of 44, that's 59%, two touchdowns, no picks. The week so you think I'm riding the, the hype a little more than actually the tangible results? Uh, yeah, I think it's more likely that Foles comes back when he's healthy than it, than it might feel. Because it does feel like right now he's Kurt Warner or something, and it's not even close to being true. He's been under 50% the last two weeks. <laughs> and not throwing for three or four touchdowns a game. The last two weeks is four, basically 47%, one touchdown, one pick. His highlights do go viral fast, though. Do well, they he not? does. That's the thing. He like he makes winning plays. I mean, you can't deny that. I don't think it's superficial. He doesn't. I mean, he looks like I, like if he had to be your quarterback. But I do think I don't think he's been so good that you're like, well, you remember that play, Nick? You remember that throw Nick Foles got hurt on? You remember the throw? Remember how sweet that was? Oh my God! It was the throw. It might be the throw of the year. I know. It was. It, no one. Foles does not have the strongest arm in the league. No one can throw it farther, though. Maybe Wentz. That's the irony of like. Wait, explain that. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but no one can throw it farther. Well, it'd be like if you were a pitcher, Foles probably throws like 93, 94. I see what you're saying. But if you put him in the outfield and said, throw it over home plate and the netting, he would be able to do it. But he would not get anywhere near like Chapman arm strength, you know, speed. Mm hmm. But it's, it's, that's what makes it a little bizarre. I think part of it is just the way he cocks it. The ball fucking flies. Like, you could put him at, like, the 30-yard line. He's tall, too, he could, right? He's really he, tall. Yeah, he, he could hit the end zone. But if you asked him to make a Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, Brett Favre, Mahomes, 
laser throw, it's not the same. Which, it, again, that's one of the great things that's always fascinated me, pitchers and quarterbacks. Like, why can Tim Lincecum at 5'11", 170, throw 99 at one point in time in his career, and Joe Blanton, who's 6'5", only hit 88? No different than why can some quarterbacks that are massive, like Mike Glennon, not have a good arm, and then some midgets like Kyler Murray be able to throw darts. I think a lot of it just has to do with your wrist. You remember Michael Vick just had this wrist, far of the wrist, Mahomes. I, I don't know. I've never figured it out. Because hmm. if you could figure it out, right, you would tweak shit to get their arm stronger, right? Right. Especially once you got to the pros to make these throws a little easier on these guys. Yeah. Um, other headlines? I guess we've kind of started headlines there. I like that conversation, right? Those fall under the headline conversation. Yeah, um, yeah. For- Sam Darnold. Seeing ghosts. What did you th- what did you think of uh, of that audio being on Monday Night Football? I thought it was a little unfair to the guy. N- not that at the end of the day it's pretty harmless, but I-, I I think these guys in the position that edit slash let out are pretty well equipped with what works and what doesn't work. Like that's they're football fans slash they do this for a living. They knew what they were doing. I, I wonder if the guy thought like. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that it had to cross his mind. Like, this is right on the fence. Yeah. And he did it, and then now he's getting a ton of backlash yeah. by by the Jets. Because I've seen the counter, like, well, you guys got your panties in a bunch over this. You just got your fucking ass kicked, and you're worried about something Sam Darnold said. And I get that angle, but I also think, like, it's just a little unfair to a young player. So, and I'll tell you, like, I don't know exactly how it works in the NFL, Um like, I know for college basketball, a lot of times, if you're mic'd up in the huddle, often there are, I don't think it's, I'm not saying it's universally like this, but often the sports information director, right, who is kind of the key holder to the team in terms of team access. Like, when you say, hey, we want to put a mic in the huddle, you tell that person, and that person goes and clears it with the coach. And if the coach says yes, a lot of times what I've seen is they have a headset over on the side of the bench where the sports information director is, and they will show the SID because they don't play it live, they'll show and say, hey, this is the stuff we want to play. Are you cool with this? Is there anything here that's a problem from the coach's huddle? And Which I think is fine. Like, the coach lets you put the mic in the huddle, then they have the right to say, you know what, we don't want that on the air. And it's the S- usually the SID is well, we get We get the same, the basketball is like, hustle back on D, uh, boards. Yeah. I like uh, that, boys. Shoot or shoot. Keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep the feet Keep moving. Up. Ha- hands up, guys. Hands up. Guy, run him off the three-point line. <laughs> so, I here's what I think about Darnold. Remember, I, Kerr, remember Kerr was mad when the NBA played the thing about Jordan to Kevin? Yeah. I think... Which was, which was less bad than this. Well, I understand. Like, to me, that, the, the content of that was... Just the content of that. What he was saying to him gave us a little bit of a window into what he thought of his psyche. Well, yeah, he got mad that we look at Kevin Durant like he's soft, and clearly he views him as soft, too. It, it, this, to me, if if we are not in social media meme culture, okay, if that piece of audio hits Monday Night Football in 1998, I think it's irrele- I think it's fine. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Because if, if all you have to go off is the video of it, because it, what it felt to me in the moment, John, was Sam Darnold was saying, man, I'm rusty. That's how I took it when he was saying it. I didn't take it as Sam Darnold can't see the field. I took it as Sam Darnold's just like he's not up to game speed yet. All of Adam Gase's practices have not prepared him for the Patriots defense. 
He did say during his off time, though, I think pregame, right, he learned a lot better about the, about about protections. the protections. Yeah, he'd been watching a lot of protection stuff. That's what he said pregame. So here's what pisses me off about this one is I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal to Sam. I don't think it's a big deal to the Jets. I don't think it says anything about Sam Darnold other than he was rusty and they were he was playing the greatest defensive coach we've ever seen, and that was not the second game back that you want. That's what happened. But in in meme culture, where people are like, oh, he'll never live this down. It's like, yeah, fuck, because everybody is such a bitch about this stuff. Like, we're constantly trying to make every little thing into something that'll follow the guy forever. Every opportunity to edit, I'm seeing ghosts, there's going to be little Casper the Ghost things flying around him. Like, I don't even know if any... I, here's the thing, I can't, t- I can't tell if anybody actually even thinks this is that bad. I can't even tell. Well, and I, that's where I, I, I think that's where I agree with you. Like, ESP, you just got to know, like, this is going to get so stupid. It's not worth the headache for the guy. Well, because what does seeing ghosts mean to just the casual football fan? It means you're terrified in the pocket. And like you're saying, and like all the former players on Twitter are saying, that's not what he was saying. He was saying, I'm seeing shit down the field. I'm throwing it to the wrong guy. Like, I'm off. It wasn't that he was scared in the pocket. But when, when you say, We've described Carr for a while. He gets where he's seeing ghosts. To me, that has negative connotation about being a puss in the pocket. Even though that's 100% not what he was saying. He was talking about, and this speaks to the brilliance of their coverages. Guy, every time I looked up last night, fucking some dude was high-pointing the ball on the other team. And I, he was talking about their DBs, not the pass rush, in my opinion. That, and yeah, I think that's... That's what every former player was saying. But I think when you see that audio and you just hear it, or definitely when you read it, it's like, oh, he's terrified in the pocket. That's what people are saying. I agree with you. But I also think like if Haberman and Middlecoff, if we were working at the mill in 1992 and that had been aired, we might have talked about it at lunch. Like, yeah, it wouldn't have got shared with everyone. Yeah, but I, I, think I, just, I just understand. Yeah, I just understand how the person doing the replay is like, oh, that's a good clip. I don't think it's an indictment of this guy's ability to play football. That's insightful. Hey, he knows he's wearing a mic. Maybe he's saying it to uh, you know, I don't, whatever. But, but just in 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 the way things get consumed now, you just can't like the idea that anyone even like we even had a serious conversation about whether. But I, I don't know. Maybe there wasn't even a serious conversation about whether Michael Jordan thinks Steph is a Hall of Famer. I don't even think that's a real conversation. He's um, drinking. <laughs> I mean, he's he's Michael. You know, here's what here's the thing about you know. Has anyone talked more shit than Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan is talking shit. That's what he does. The guy, the only and he's people, having fun doing it. But no one can handle people just having fun talking shit. Well, I think most people, like the the fans that I respect or the people on Twitter that I respect, laughed about it. Yeah, you're right. The I, the, in, the the insecure sports fan got ex- like I I, lo- I like using this now. Told them themselves. They're telling them themselves. Like they don't even get it. Like you guys are just lost. But I, I just think so much of it is like we just talk. You talk about it because you know it's what needs to be talked about, as opposed to like it doesn't matter. It's funny. Like can we just talk about it like it's funny? Like MJ, MJ probably dreams about playing one on one with Steph. That's his dream. But if he was talking about one on one Steph in Michael Jordan's prime, who the fuck is not picking Michael Jordan over Steph Curry? Except Curry, I, I'm get just a saying. Like he's just that's I, I don't know. I, I love to he see him laugh when he said he's not a Hall of Famer yet. Because I mean, yeah, he's literally an active player. But anyway, so this feeds to the Darnold thing for me. It's like I don't think it's that. It's I, I just, but I understand how. I also think the Jets are right to say we that we don't want that aired. They're right about that. 
but they're right about it not because it was that bad of a thing to say because like we can't handle that we can't handle somebody saying it without blowing it out of proportion I also think they're mad one yeah mainly because it's gonna get blown out of proportion it's blown out of proportion on their own quarterback who's Here, young here's and the other sensitive thing. and just I actually don't think he's sensitive because if you watch, I watched his post game press conference or like around like in the locker room he was pretty mature about it I, I I'm not the biggest levy on Bell guy he did tweet out this morning like my guy kind of got done dirty and yeah. that's where I think that if you're a player you're like that's fucked up yeah you I know? mean look I think if if the Jets um, get their shit together in that game and lose that game, you know, thirty-two to seventeen, or maybe thirty-two twenty. If it's a game, let's just it's if it's a game, I think this is less of an issue. But they just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Would you would you say when a starting quarterback was playing, who a team just coming off what looks like a decent win? Now they beat the shit out of the Cowboys. Maybe my memory shitty. That's one of the biggest ass kickings I've ever seen on Monday Night Football. Like, the game was over five or six minutes So in. fast. And it, it was like, oh, my God. I had the thought about the second quarter, does Bill go to Josh and go, just run the same five plays? Like, don't we're not wasting anything from here on out. No, that and then you saw Bill. Process. Yeah, but then you saw Bill coaching up the defense in the fourth quarter. Like, here's the other thing. That, no, guy, it was the second quarter. Oh, that was the they second quarter. They were up 24-nothing. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, like, they had Sam mic'd up pregame, and he's like, you know, he's going up to his teammates – on the field. Divisional game. Here we go, baby. Like, he has no grasp. I don't think he can. I don't think you can. I don't think I can. Of just how much Bill Belichick takes playing the Jets to, like, the 55th nth degree. That's not a rivalry. It's a personal vendetta. Like, it's not a rivalry. It's not a divisional Some, rivalry game. Okay? Like, Seahawks-Niners is a divisional rivalry game. <laughs> Belichick-Jets is a personal vendetta. Someone texts me, do you think the Democrats hate Donald more than Bill hates the Jets? And I said 100% no. He hates the Jets as much as you possibly can hate anything. Like, his hatred is just at 100. It just his doesn't smile. get any stronger. So he had a guy, he took a delay a game, they refused to take it, so then he told his offensive lineman to false start on purpose, and they declined it again. He just was fucking with them. That's where I think that he... He had to tell Josh, just run our basic plays that are already out there. Once it was 24-0, it was clear they had no chance. Just run the basic shit. This is, we're not wasting one thing on these guys. But just keep, keep the tempo going. You know, keep play, tell the guys to play hard. But yeah. just only Tom knows the plays we're calling. Like, the guys just hear a play, they run it. We're, do not all the shit that we had. Because think how much stuff you build through a week in a tight game, in the second quarter, in the third quarter, in these situations, you just get to scrap. Like, we'll just save this shit. You hear coaches say this all the time, right? We had this for X game. We had this for this game. And the one I, that always comes to my mind was the Eagles and Doug Peterson and Poles. We had it implemented for the Vikings game. And remember, they blew out the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. So we're like, fuck it. We just rolled it over for the... Because you wouldn't have used it. If you ran that against the Vikings, they wouldn't have used it in the Super Bowl. Right. Right? Yeah. So you just get to withhold some of the... And you know, Josh... The one thing the Patriots sneaky do, probably more than most teams, and I don't think they quite get the credit for this nationally. They definitely do locally. They got a little Boise State to them, the Chris Peterson days. They run a lot of trick plays. Double passes, you know, like the punter throws it to the up. They just do a lot of weird shit in big games. And I think they save it specifically for tight games. You never see them run a double pass up 20. Bill's too much of a tactician. Like, I, I'm not wasting that look on the Jets. But I will fuck with them. 
God, he hates them. It's like, Bill, you were the one that quit them. Why? What, 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 oh, I guess they turned him in for Spygate. Because did he hate him that much in like 2004? I feel like he or did. Or did he start hating him I thought Spygate? No, I think he I, I don't know. I That's feel like question. he did too. But this, did the Spygate... Did they make it hard on him leaving? Was was that the deal? Like he left them for a reason. Yeah, you're right. They, no, yeah, Kraft had parse, a trade for him. And him no, and, but guy, but he did sign like... Bill, you were signed under contract. Like they, they kind of did you dirty, but kind of not. Yeah. Now I get. I mean, it's just you live in your own little world, you know, on anything. So I and Bill's just, I, I, I would say someone that would be inclined to hold on to Vandettas. <laughs> did you hear? Did you hear? I, I put out the video of uh, Linda being one of their audibles. Fifty-seven, Linda. Do you do you follow Linda on Twitter or on Insta? I do not. Linda Holiday. She's big. She she's big on. Uh, she got like fifty thousand followers. She will be at a Pats game, obviously, and like she always got good seats, usually behind the Patriots bench. And in tr- Instagram's videos of Bill like on the sideline, and then just does like an arrow pointing at him. <laughs> and that'll be like her story. Would just be pictures like that. <laughs> what is Bill thinking? And then Bill, like after last night's game, the game ends. She's on the field, goes hugs and kisses him before he goes to the locker room. But it's on her Insta story, so someone's taking the story. She likes establishing, you know, this is her territory, right? How about uh, but it is kind of weird because you think that there's, I mean, it's not Bill's kid is on the staff, but it's not his mom. But clearly, he knows his dad look like is in love with Linda. Mm-hmm. Kind of a weird spot to be in. She clearly just doesn't. He doesn't impact. I don't know. Don't you think? Don't you think sixty percent of our audience is in that spot in their childhood? But he's not. But I'm talking. He's he's not a child. He's like thirty. You know. Yeah, but I mean, eventually you grow up and you're still in that position. Yeah, and you just yeah, you just whatever. Like you know, he needs love too. We're all humans. Yeah, maybe uh, you just become less. You don't even think about it. Real quick before we get to some of the NBA, the other NFL headline I loved was Doug Peterson's press conference. Uh, when when it was reported by uh, Howard Eskin, yeah, you told me the story. I didn't that Alshon Jeffrey was the le- that, that there's a le- the leak on all the Wentz rumors is Alshon Jeffrey. Well, the leaks last year. Remember that everyone liked Foles. Thought yep. n- that Wentz sneaky bad teammate, me guy, only like Zach Ertz. Uh, it turns out that was Alshon. But then there were a bunch this year with, like, they weren't checking down enough. They weren't doing this. They weren't doing that. It's Alshon again. And Howard Eskin had said it was Alshon. I had forgotten Howard Eskin is basically the sideline reporter for the Eagles radio. Has a Super Bowl ring, as he was called out in the press conference. So it is a little weird. Howard then tweets that he 100% did not get this from the Eagles. Never has got a story from the Eagles in his career, which I find to be a lie. But whatever, you got to make your point when you're, you know, drawing a line in the sand. And uh, it is a weird position for guys that work for teams to say stuff like that unless you know 100% the team wants it out. So I do think it's fair for other media members. Like, this guy would go on and say something like that to not just Joe Blow player. Like, he's fucking Alshon Jeffrey. Like, if I'm Alshon, whether I said it or not, Am I calling his ass out on the team plane, or the like? It's putting him in a weird position because then I got Carson looking at me like, "Do you hate me?" Kind of a weird spot for everyone to be in. The 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 best part of the whole thing though was that Peterson. It was the passive aggressiveness by in which Peterson was asked about it because it wasn't just is Alshon on the leak. Then it was 
is it can we think that if the person who reported it flies on the Eagles team plane and stands on the Eagles sidelines and wears an Eagles Super Bowl ring reported it then that's because the team wants it out there so that and Peterson was like quiet for like five seconds he's like I, I don't because it does make sense when the guy plays it out like lays it out right and that's right? when Eskin goes tweet I assume Eskin's in the room maybe he's doing his radio show I don't quite get I don't know he's always at these maybe, press conferences maybe he's at Sixers practice I don't know and that's when he tweets like I never what you said I've always my sources all that stuff so you gotta, you gotta love Philly yeah uh, you wanna do some NBA real quick here let's do about five minutes <laughs> almost lunchtime <laughs> okay so this actually NBA season starts Tuesday um uh, this I this is perfect because you're like we should talk some NBA and I'm like great I want to talk about this because I think we need- Haberman said he was hot on the topic yeah hot. well th- this I heard this this morning I heard it Tuesday morning and was I was going to bring it to your attention and um, I do think we just have to be ready the Warriors it's going to be a difficult year and I think a lot of people have been saving up a lot of bullets that now they'll be able to shoot off into the air about Steph and Draymond specifically because those two guys over their careers have rubbed some people the wrong way, right? Steph dancing around. And just when you're good, you get hated. Draymond talks. Like these guys, as beloved as the Warriors were on one hand, also plenty of enemies. They, they did a lot of pissing on people's graves. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. So here's what, here, here's what I think everyone needs to remember. What they've done is written in stone. What Steph and Draymond and Clay and what the Golden State Warriors have done is written in stone. And it wasn't like, oh, that one time they had a good year. This franchise has completely turned around because of these guys. And you mentioned that to me earlier. Their resume is established. And it is nothing that a bad NBA season can wipe out. So I say that because of this. Tuesday morning, I'm listening to NBA radio, and Brennan Haywood is on with Frank Isola. And they're talking about, they're talking about Buddy Heald is how this conversation starts. And Brennan Haywood is saying that Buddy Heald is underpaid. And Frank Isola is saying, for his very short track record of production, he, is, he should be thrilled with his contract. And they get into discussion about him and Jamal Murray and... Brendan Haywood saying, well, just if Buddy Heald was on the Nuggets, you'd think he was a winning player, but he's on the Kings, so he's a losing player, blah, blah, blah. And so then he says this about Draymond Green. I always love to hear different points of views because I hear a lot of people always say, well, what has this guy done? This guy, this guy affects I, – I hear it a lot with Draymond Green. This guy, he affects winning. I'm like, yeah, he affects winning with Golden State. You put him on, you put him on Detroit, would, would Draymond Green be just as valuable? No. All right. I, that's ridiculous. Because you know what I've always said, John? There is no room for role players on bad teams. But Draymond is like this the, crazy... The sixth man of the year has never won on a 25-win NBA roster. Draymond, and this goes back to our conversation about like the thin margins of Emmanuel Sanders or Mohamed Sanu. He does the little things that are, inv- that are invaluable to winning teams and not valuable to losing teams because losing teams, they're losing teams. Those little things are irrelevant. Their margins are not thin. Uh, would Draymond Green make the Pistons of NBA champion? No. But it's not the point. He is a winning player, and it's indisputable. Well, the guy has been a winning player since he was in high school. Losing players lose. And no sport overhypes his players more in the NBA. Because I think Brandon Hayward's argument are a guy like Devin Booker. Like, you put Devin Booker on the Warriors, he'd win. 
Well, if Devin Booker had started on the Warriors like Steph Curry and Clay did when they sucked, he would not have won, and the Warriors just would have saved the Suns. Carl Anthony Towns, there's a reason Jimmy Butler said, put down fucking Fortnite and get into the gym. Yeah, he's like, well, he averages 30 and 20 in the second half of the season. Yeah, and games don't fucking mean dick. So if Carl Anthony Towns was just a fucking winner, they would win. Like, I'll say one thing for Anthony Davis. For the most part, when he did try and was healthy, that team won. Like, I, Anthony Davis won a championship in uh, college. He got to the Pelicans. For the most part, they had really shitty rosters and took them to the playoffs a couple times. And I'm just, when I say win, I don't mean NBA championships. Like, Russell Westbrook, we're hard on Russell Westbrook. I've seen him with shitty teams get them to the playoffs. Flawed player, but Russell Westbrook is a winning player. Right. The NBA, wouldn't you say, in our in our lifetime, and probably anyone's lifetime, just the nature of the sport, but as the league is like expanded and you had a lot of teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, is full of a lot of guys that you can just, if you and me went to a random NBA game, you and me are in Phoenix, and the Suns are playing the fucking Magic in some random game, we see a guy score 35 points, which... Most people in basketball at the highest level, NBA scouts, coaches can say, most guys in this league that like start, you know, non like some big, can score 30 on a night if they're just fed the rock. That doesn't mean like we're a lot of guys do that and we lose. Steph, I, I think his comp, and Steve Kerr's always said this, is Duncan and is Steve Nash. They are elevators. I also think Draymond Green, I've watched him in the biggest fucking moments against the best players, whether it be LeBron, Kyrie, Harden, and Russell, leave bodies on the court, ruin legacies. Like, he was the difference in the series last year. Him. Like, those guys are just winners. Some guys are winners, some guys are losers. And when you, if you, if Pat Riley was sitting here, he'd probably say the difference is just smart players, passing at the right time, hustling, uh not worrying so much about themselves because the NBA, that's where it kind of parallels baseball where even though it is much more team-oriented to win like football, you can quickly kind of go individual on shitty teams and just go, I'm going to get my 28, right? And at your 28, you'd be better off scoring 18 we have a better chance to win. Like these basketball coaches have been talking about it since the beginning of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I'll, I'll, say, and I'll say this though. Just because you're on a losing team doesn't mean you're a losing player. 100%. But a lot of times, once you get put multiple spots and you keep losing, like it kind of is what it is. Yeah. Time, the, I'm just like, saying, like, here, time here, will tell on Buddy Heald. One, but, but I'd say this. The NBA is much healthier when they are signing NFL-type contracts, and NFL players would be like, I'd die for 90% of my contract <laughs> to be guaranteed. Yeah. But that... How often do you see incentive-based shit with NBA contracts or baseball? It's very, very rare. It definitely hasn't happened these last five, six years. So this buddy, he like that's a healthy deal. He got $85 million. He's had one good season. And if he does what, if he turns into, quote-unquote, a winning player, he can make a bunch of money. Here's the other thing. Let's say the Warriors win 40 games and are like the 11 seed and miss the playoffs. One thing's going to come up a lot. Like, I think you're right. There's going to be a lot of shade, especially if the story today, Steve Kerr said he's not going to play Clay. Mm-hmm. So let's say Clay doesn't play a game and just those two guys play and they're just not good enough to get them to the playoffs. It's going to be like, well, they were just dependent on Kevin Durant. Guys, we saw for two years before Kevin Durant came, they won a championship without him. Like, that happened. They won a championship without him. And then the next year, they lost in Game 7 of the NBA Championship where they beat Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And it took LeBron doing the greatest LeBron stretch in like LeBron's life 
to beat them, and Kyrie hit a game winning. Like that, those two years happened. I think those two years, who are still my favorite two years of my entire basketball watching life, beside maybe a couple of Michael Jordan moments early in my life, are gonna never get mentioned. Well, don't you John, think the 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 title they lost was a championship shy of being the most amazing because it was seventy three wins. Plus, it was the OKC series. That would have been. I mean, it's undoubtedly the greatest season of all time. It's still kind of. I saw. I saw. Well, they, there's they an would Audi. Won, they would have won four straight championships then, right? There's an Audi it, I see all the time, convertible, that the license plate is GSW seventy three wins. I think it's GSW seven three WS. Maybe is it is that like Rick Welch or Kirk no? Wagner? It's not. I saw the guy once. And I was like, I, I I don't. Maybe he does work for the team, and I don't recognize him, but. I thought it Taylor might Gross? be. I thought it, huh? Taylor Gross? No. It's, <laughs> it's not. So maybe there's a Warriors employee. I, there's going to be a lot of slander coming at him this year, and I, and I, I don't that's have to. That's your second use of slander on this podcast. Steph and Draymond don't need anyone to defend them because, like you say, anyone that knows their fucking legacy speaks for itself. But they, they turned the North, the Clippers of the North, into a fucking powerhouse. And that, and I'm, I'm saying powerhouse before Kevin showed up, before Kevin showed up, because like, what if Kevin didn't show up? Well, they just would have re-signed Harrison Barnes and kept winning, and Kevin would have gone to the Celtics, <laughs> so they they would have faced Kevin Durant maybe in the championship. I don't know. I mean, what the OKC would have sucked. Who, who's beating them out west? We we saw uh, Harden can't beat them. They they ruined Chris Paul. But I, get ready for it, because you you I think you're almost under. I think it's coming and it's coming hard. People, and in fairness, when you shit on everyone, if you just win, like, if Steve Nash won a couple titles, it would have been so boring. He never would have talked any shit. I mean, they talked a lot of shit. Draymond talked all the shit, and Steph didn't talk as much shit, but his antics, if you're not a Warriors fan, you hate him. Because he's dancing, he's pointing, he's... So they... Yeah. I, I will say this. While the the the, the substance is going to be wrong, because it's not going to be true... They do have it coming. <laughs> yeah. But they it'll be fun. It like, to me, it's part of what's going to make it fun. It'll well, be part of I mean, kind of. Well, I mean, that being good would guy, be more fun. But I'm just saying, like. If they if they win 38 games. Well, that's not fun. I'm going to be fascinated. Like, they have they have had historic local television ratings. I don't miss a game. Like, and I'm talking, like, oh, they're playing the Suns. I'll just watch, like, Kevin score 30, and then I'll turn it off in the third quarter. I just wonder if a lot of people are going to be like, I can miss this game. It's just irrelevant. Yeah, now, if, if, you, if you look on Twitter and you go, Ste- yeah, if like Steph's going for 50, you're chiming in. But if they're just playing random teams or they're down 20, you just – I'm going to be fascinated. We, we know how the West Coast fan thinks. He's not – you give me a load management game, I, th- their television rating might do like a one. Right. <laughs> now that still, far, but – Yeah, but they, they're going to have – you see Zion's out for two months? Yeah. You, I, I looked today because, obviously, Clippers, Lakers tonight. I was like, I wonder who the undercard is. Pels. Right, yeah. I, I, I did the math yesterday. Like, by middle of December, they had them on 14, 14 national television games. Now, some of those are NBA TV, but a lot of them were TNT and ESPN. That's, Problema- that's problematic. Because if I go, hey, man, you see Zion on Wednesday night? You'd be like, yeah, I chimed in. Now if you're like, are you watching Drew Holiday? No. I like Drew Holiday. 
that was a big blow for the NBA having Zion yes, in two months. I, they went all in on the – that's where, like, it's like, well, if it's not a big market team, it's going to be hard if a star player is not there. I was texting with an NFL buddy yesterday, and he's just like, God, you look at the way he walks. He's kind of not – like, the way his knees are kind of pointed at each other, and just his – he weighs a lot, and his explosive jumping – are we 100% sure that he's just got a 12-year NBA oh, career? Yeah, are we sure that R.J. Barrett isn't the better pick? Well, I, I've watched him a little in preseason. He stinks. He's on the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, he's, but play, he's, just, he's playing with, with, with what's his name? Not, not stinks, but I just mean he's had a lot of like two for 20 games. He's going to have a lot of I mean, of the poor right. guy. Yeah. What's, well, the name of their, I, what's, what's the guy they got from the uh, Mavs? What's the point guard's name from NC State? Oh, De- De- Dennis Smith uh, Jr. Dennis Smith Jr., yeah. Here would be the safe Because I heard Simmons the other day make the point. I don't know if you could – Simmons' point was, I don't know if you could pick a worse teammate for R.J. Barrett than Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> well, Rosillo summed it up perfectly. When R.J. When Dennis Smith Jr. looks in the mirror, he thinks superstar. Yeah. And that, that to me, is a defining attribute of just NBA losing players. They're like, bro, you're not a superstar. And that's what I think Draymond would tell you. Like, well, I have a role on this team. And that's right? where – that's the other part. Like, so much of Draymond's rep – so much of it comes from his on the court, but a lot of it is just wh- how do you work when no? What are you doing behind this? What are you doing? And I think that's people. Res- you can hear it when they talk about it. How much? They I'll, I'll give you a bet though. If you had to bet right now, who plays more games in the next ten years, R.J. Barrett or Zion Williamson? I think the safe bet's going to be R.J. Because you go, God, this guy's yeah. already been dinged up a couple times, and yep. you just he plays at just this frenetic, violent. It's just violent. That's. Whenever Russell's career clearly looks like he's just over, he's had one of the better like ten-year runs of violent NBA athleticism you'll ever see. Do you agree with that? Of just like Jesus Christ, how did this guy not shatter every bone in his body falling like that? Where Zion, what does Russell weigh? Two hundred five pounds, two ten. Zion weighs two seventy. It's like Shaq. When it went, it went hard because your body just give like you just you can't jump like that on those knees. All right, so I'll my, bet my, my knees who, are hurting. Who, who's the best rookie in the NBA this year, John Morant? Well, I saw a lot of people like you know NBA people like pick, putting their shit out. Yeah, I see a lot of people not picking Zion because I just not. I mean, everyone thinks he's great, but I think a lot of people are betting. Are we well, sure we're getting twenty games out of him? I'll tell you this: if he hadn't hurt his knee, I'd still say that it might be Ja. But if I told you that Zion had played 70 games, you'd say 100% Zion, right? The best rookie? No. I might say Ja. If I said Zion plays the full season, you wouldn't pick Zion on a good team? They're going to be decent. I'm just saying I think John Moran just might be the better player, period. What about your guy that's with the Sixers that everyone's jerking off? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I got a text He's our Monday. sixth man. I got a text from- Monday from, Doug, from our friend Doug Christie. What he, he, said, I, he said, I want you to know I just shouted you out on radio because he does his show in Sacramento on KHDK. I, I was listening the other day when I was driving home to see my mom. And I texted her. I said, you're talking about the Sixers, weren't you? He said, yep. Because I texted him the other day, Matisse Thibault Why, in he, preseason had a great Doug game. And I said, him. Doug, remember I told you that there's this guy at Washington who is you, but a better shooter. I told him that like Matisse Thibault's going into his sophomore year, so three years ago. So Doug loves this And guy I've now. been on him. Like watch him, watch him, watch him. So I, he hasn't lo- he hasn't really watched them. I'm like I'm telling Isn't you, Doug from there. Yeah, he's from Seattle. So I but he went to Pepperdine. I was like Doug. I mean he watched him a little I think, but I think maybe last year during the tournament, Matisse had this steal and this windmill dunk in the Pac-12 tournament. I said there I've been on Doug for three years. Like this is you, this is you, this is your comp. 
What is he? Six seven, long, same deal. Super long, great defender, just high level dude. I think he's going to be a better shooter, but that's his comp. And so Doug I, has seen the light, and he, I got to go find the audio. But. He's the six man for the Sixers already. Oh, is he? Uh, I mean, pro- he's not. But I, but, no worries. But he than was, that. he was not like a one and done. He was a senior, right? He yeah, was an older. No, I yeah. fully, I, I'd be shocked if he's not. I mean, he's going to be like that guy is defending. He's John. He's fantastic. He's just an elite Was defender. He, is he kind of Draymondy, right? Four-year senior, just a winning player. Uh, I'm not saying the different play, positions, uh, obviously, but just yeah, yeah. Plug Definitely and play in little, the league. He's going to have a role. Yep. Is tough. Defends. Yep. yep. Likeable. Just great teammate. What's the hardest thing to defend right now in the NBA? Like, do you Wayne. have a do you have a perimeter defender? I, I, I think the Sixers. So just you heard it here first because Doug Christie heard it three years ago. Matisse Thibel is a baller. Do you I'm follow? The, did the Sixers win? And he just tweets out when he, either they he goes no or he does a video of dancing with the Sixers song. No, I. It's no. one of my favorite follows. Okay. Because if they lose, the, the it's just no. If they win, it's like a movie scene. It's something just with the Philadelphia 76ers song. Did he tweet I, anything I, else out or just that? Or she or whoever it is. It uh the occasional like something going on with like Ben Simmons or like just talking shit about like the Celtics. You know, it's just a just a classic, like pretty buttoned up high level kind of team bloggy. But I, I think it's just a Twitter account. Okay. I'll peep it. He started he started to back up in preseason and it felt like because it came across my timeline like I hadn't witnessed it in a while. It's good. It's good. Okay. When did the Warriors even play tomorrow? Or Wednesday? I think they open Thursday, Thursday night. Chase Center? Yep. I don't even know. It's Thursday, it's Thursday night. No, I mean, I, I just saying, I haven't even paid attention to it. I think, do they open against the Clippers? Yeah. At Chase? Yep. It's not a bad little opener. Mm-mm. Okay. On that Adios. note. Adios. <laughs> See you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.